So, you're not allowed to do an Irish accent just before the World Cup is held there in Dublin. But do you travel? Are you keen to still have a good coffee when you do so? Listen to Carth and Wien discuss how to find a great place to have a great coffee and what to expect and how to find your new local when you're on the way. This was recorded in a cafe and after many attempts to cut out the background noise, the recording is a little noisy. But the information is great and on the eve of Wayne representing South Africa at the World Barista Competition in Dublin, it's worth a listen. Enjoy. Get a vibe for, for the place. Yeah, yeah. And, and the, coffee, the quality of coffee and that Yeah, it's, it's, it's always one of those interesting ones. Um, the social media plays a huge part. You know, um, when you go to a city like London, where I'm fortunate enough to have a girlfriend there, who uh, there's always that strong motivation to go see. Um, you send out a few messages and you ask a few guys that you know in the industry that live there, you know, what's, what's good to see? What who are the places you're going to find out? Um, I think today it's become a lot easier. Um, you've got things like Sprudge. You've got things like um, Hasbeen's blogs. You've got BFE blogs. Um, there's a lot of places that you do a little bit of research you can find out about. Um, and like any major city I've ever been to, um, the best coffee is never in the most obvious places. I think the same could be said for Joburg. Uh, could be said for Cape Town, Durban. You know, the, the great coffee places aren't in the, in the same areas. So you, you've got to kind of explore the, the back streets and, and find. And it's always, been a, it's always been an interesting kind of journey. I don't think you go to a city just to experience coffee. And if you did, not that you would be disappointed. You can drink a crap load of coffee. Um, the first time I went to London... How much coffee can you drink? Though? Well, it is, it is an interesting question. Uh, it depends on what you balance it out with. Um, so I went to London about a week and a half... Uh, a week and a half. About a year and a half ago. Uh, February of last year, actually. And um, I hadn't been to London since 1997. So, you know, you hear all these stories, you hear about all these places, and I only had a week, including uh, two days in Edinburgh. We literally went to six cafes a day. Uh, I would drink an espresso and a flat white at each one. So quite a 12 bucks of coffee. Uh, yeah, you know, just kind of get the bar for it. Yeah, and did you finish all of those? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Uh, waste not one night, you know. Okay. Um, there were one or two places. I had to do the obligatory Cafe Nero clusters. What the hell? <laughs> I know, I know. It was... Uh, Costas was the uh, first cup of coffee out in London when I landed in Gatwick. Uh, but that's 
yeah. easily accessible. I've just been on a plane for the last it, 12 hours. Well, yeah. I'm going to shoot the whole world if I don't get a cup of coffee right now. Pretty much. And then my girlfriend was late to pick me up. Oh, crap. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally put you now one in there. Make it feel even worse about it. Okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, so we were, I was waiting there with the taxi driver who was taking us back. And um, I uh, saw the clusters. And whilst I was working in Maldives and Mauritius and stuff, uh, I would get a lot of British people saying, oh, what do you think of clusters? What do you think of Nero? Just like South Africans here would say, what do you think of Vida? What do you think of magazine? <coughs> McDonald's. Um, it, it became... Um, this thing that I almost had to do. You know, like how you get asked, have you had Kofi Luwak? Yeah. You know, every specialty person, like, what do you think of this? There's a certain brand that we always get asked about. So, out of uh, interest of science, <laughs> I went and had a clusters. It was as disappointing as I thought it was. It would go, it was going to be. Yeah. I saw flat white, it was 350 mils, it was hot, it was thin, it was just, you know, all the things we don't look for. Sam. That being said, in my last trip to London, we went to Costas and I was advised by one or two people. Guide the barista, told him he went the smaller cup, double shot, not too hot. And you know what? It wasn't bad. Yeah. Um, I, on my last trip uh, in December, uh, I spent three weeks in London this time. And part of that journey was to go and find coffee for the world. So I um, was on the, it was actually the day I was going to has been. So I thought it was appropriate I start my day with the, with the clusters. Waiting in the, at the Wimbledon station, uh, got, got on the bus at 6 o'clock in the morning. It's pissing with rain. Uh, five degrees outside. So I really feel like I'm living the London lifestyle. You know? And my first stop of the day was uh, Lomazonko's head office in, in London. Yeah, Mike Khan uh, kindly invited me over to come and, uh, come and see the facility. And um, so I got to Shoreditch, uh, state, um, sorry, got to Wimbledon Station, and there was a clusters there. So I thought, yeah, I gotta go on the tube with a coffee. Apparently, you know, that's the London thing to do. Yeah. Anyway, so it's I. Probably uh, need to have a tie and a suit, and you know all of that kind of stuff as well. Correct. Where are you gonna live the London experience? Yes. Gotta have a, and you gotta be super unhappy. Super unhappy. Really unhappy. <laughs> Uh, Don't make eye contact at all, at all, because otherwise you're a pedophile of some shape, form. Um, and um, yeah, then we, uh, I got onto the train with my clusters after yeah. guiding the baristas through this whole thing. And you know what? It was, I would compare it to a Woolworths cappuccino. You know, Woolworths by no shape, form is a speciality brand. Uh, they they talk the right language, they have the right equipment, but. I've had decent coffee at Woolworths, yeah. yeah, and it was the same thing with this Costas experience. Here, anyway, so, so I mean, so in terms of my question, is yeah. that is that acceptable? So let's say, for example, you go to a country where you don't have in-country contacts. Yeah. You don't. You so don't. Italy, basically. <laughs> okay. Although, having said that, uh, no, somewhere, somewhere completely different. So yeah. South Korea or Singapore. Yeah. So you know that there are places there that make good coffee yeah. okay it's up and coming you know but how the hell do you find them when you don't have somebody on the end of a, like a Twitter feed that's going oh you need to go to this place, this place. correct no no you're 100% right um, 
And this you settle is actually my question. No, you settle. Not at all. Not well, at all. It's drinkable. <laughs> not at all. Uh, I, I, I battled in Thailand uh, up until the fact that we started using aeropresses. I, w- I would drink Red Bull and like the original Red Bull came in a little small bottle just to get my caffeine fix. Um, it kind of brings me to. Okay, so uh, yeah, in Thailand we would uh, drink these little Red Bull bottles because. It was like we could get our caffeine fix, but coffee leads you to so many other things. Like I've got a huge passion for for craft beer and cocktails, and nine times out of ten, you meet a barman at a, at a bar that serves that style of drink. You can say to them, "Where do you get coffee? Where's the place to get coffee in the city or in the town?" And vice versa. The guys will always guide you. You know, coffee drinkers tend to dabble and uh, other other vices so that's in human interaction has always been one of my biggest sources of finding rad coffee spots um you know you always check like these TripAdvisor top 10 cafes in the world or you know this and that it's generally based on some algorithm that's running about some blog post that have been done by 50 other people because they got paid to about a certain store um where I found some of the best coffees are places that even some of the locals don't know about. Um, there have been like uh, some amazing coffee bars I found in Prague, for instance, uh, when I went there off the world. Just by talking to guys at bars, talking to barmen and saying, "Hey, you know what's what's a, where can you get a great coffee here?" And they'll they'll lead you to different places. Okay. You know, people come to city like Johannesburg and say, well, there's no real great coffee in Germany. I say, well, that's that's absolute bollocks. Like, you're just not looking in the right places. I don't know if that's a fault of our own as, a, as an industry for not being effective in communication, but, um, you know, people are drawn generally to a city like Joburg. You go to the malls. Uh, you go to Sanson City. You go to Rosebank. Like, where can you get great coffee there? Like, there's one or two places that now open up in centers like that that do great coffees. But yeah, it's, it's never really a thing of settling. <laughs> I just, I, I can't settle for bad coffee. Um, I've left cups. I, you know, and I think... Do you complain about bad coffee? All I mean, the time. Really? I think it's something South Africans need to do more. You're paying between 24 and 30 rand for a cup of, cup of coffee. Yes. Okay, 20 rand or 18 rand for an espresso or Americana. And I always ask people who, who say, no, I don't complain because it's just coffee. I was like, you just spent that amount of money. So if you've got a bad packet of chips from Steers, would you complain? Yeah, of course. So what's the difference? It's potatoes stuck in hot oil. Coffee, there's so much that goes into it. And I do think places should be pointed out. You know, not so much named and shamed. I don't think that's uh, conducive to growing the industry. But managers and owners should be receptive to constructive criticism. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely one that complains about co- bad coffee. Like, um, and overseas, would you, like in a completely different city, would you complain? I mean, you don't know the culture, you don't know yeah, the... It is, it is more difficult. You tend to grin and bear. Um, I, um, I think it also, you need a, a bit of a paradigm shift in your thinking. So... After Vienna in 2012, we, we did this awesome European trip. We went to Prague, Amsterdam, uh, Rome, Milan, and Corner. 
And uh, after 10 days at the World Barista Champs in Vienna, five, uh, four day, five days in Prague, five days in uh, Amsterdam, we finally arrive in Rome. You know, like, uh, Italy, you know, home of the espresso. And I, I remember having my first Italian espresso going, well, what else did we expect? But then the thinking changed. It was a case of, well, let's stop looking for the subtle nuances. Let's stop looking for the, mm, can I taste candy orange? And actually experience it for what it was and the culture around it. And then I really started to enjoy Italian coffee. You know, people, I think a common question we get asked a lot, you know, what's your best cup of coffee you've ever had? There's always two for me. The best tasting and the greatest experience. Okay. Uh, my best tasting coffee would have to be a uh, Kenyan Kirimahiga from uh, Square Mile. Joanne brought back while she was still working at, uh, at Origin at the time. And it smelled like a punnet of strawberries and tasted like cherry fizz pop. And I was like, how? How can, how can a coffee taste this amazing? Um, the best coffee experience I've ever had was in Laos, uh, when Veng uh, Bien, which if anyone's been there, is a very drug-filled city, town, I should say. So I'm in this gorgeous valley, drinking what can only be described as ash, uh, produced through a sock. Uh, and a friend of mine is busy smoking an opium pipe. The sun is setting. It was gorgeous. It, that that coffee memory will always stick with me. And I think, rightly so, like you said, we don't understand the culture. Um, and uh, yeah, so it was, I, I don't complain a lot overseas. I did complain once in London. Uh, it was Boxing Day. I didn't expect, you know, in the city, city of like London. You'd expect it to be open boxing day, right? I was shocked at how many places were closed. Um, so we went to uh, a, a coffee shop, a very well-known one, uh, who I had a fantastic coffee at before. It literally tasted like black forest cake in a cup. It was a cappuccino, yeah. It was, it was delicious. Orange. And um, I asked for uh, an espresso and a flat white, as I always do. And we're sitting down, and I get served an espresso and a takeaway cup, which it's just zero excuse for. Like, I've, I've turned customers away from takeaway espresso. I'm like, sorry, I will not serve you because it's going to destroy absolutely everything in it. And honestly, if you can't take 90 seconds out of your day to drink an espresso, I think you might need to reevaluate your life. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, and it turned out that the dishwasher was bro- was. Uh, well, according to the sign, the dishwasher was uh, on holiday. <laughs> it turned out the dishwasher was broken and none of the bristles were washed cups. So they were serving everything in takeaway. That's crazy. I, I was like, that's unacceptable, guys. That's absolute bollocks. Or at least, or at least give you the option in advance. You know? right. It's one espresso cup. It's not really, that you know, like, uh, sure. People know who I am and what I've done. and mm-hmm. I've worked behind bars and I've got my hand dirty yeah. and I've washed cups and I've cleaned them and I've done the jokes. And yeah. You know, it's what we do. Yeah. I'm not above that, and I think any Brista that thinks they are yeah. needs to pull the head out of their ass and actually, you know, remember that it's about the customer experience. Yeah. You're only as good as the last cup of coffee you made. Yeah. Uh, so I was really disappointed with that. So that culture or not, that's just unacceptable. Um, I've paid ridiculous amounts of money for coffee that I thought I shouldn't. What is the most that you paid for a cup of coffee? Nine dollars for a coffee made on a bun filter machine. 
No, are you Cent- serious? Century Lab in Melbourne. Uh, average flight, a couple of uh, average cost of a flat white, I think, was uh, about five dollars. Yeah. It then turned out that it was a, a very specialist Colombian that was naturally low in caffeine, like 0.1 percent caffeine content, oh, okay. and it produced like 280 or 240 kilos of the stuff in the world. And there were one of three cafes in the world that had it. So I was like, okay, cool. And it was delicious. I think that kind of set me on buns since then. I was like, you know, bun filter actually knows what they're doing. It does. You know? um, so yeah, that was, uh, that was probably one of the most expensive I've paid for. Look, and, and were you happy to pay that? I mean, I know we've talked about the price of coffee, like yeah. cups of coffee and that kind of stuff, but yeah, let's we'll talk about that now. You know, after I found out what it was, I was. I was I was really happy about it. I'm not happy to pay for coffee that passes through a cat. Because in in the, the the in cup experience is nowhere near what I've tasted for a third the price. Um I buy whiskeys that cost two and a half, three thousand rand a bottle. Not because I'm trying to be all showy or flashy, but because when I drink that whiskey, I'm like, I get it. I understand. I understand why it costs that much. What I don't get is paying high prices for shit coffee. It's just, today there's no excuse. You know, when we, when we first started in this industry, there wasn't a lot of Guys, it was Vine, there was Origin. Uh, those were kind of the namesakes, you know, the guys you would go to for that coffee experience. Yeah. Today, 12 years old, there, I mean, somebody asked me the other day, is it true that there are 30 roasteries in Woodstock? It's like, it's not that much. I think it's about 10 within a five kilometer radius of Cape Town. Yeah, but, exactly, you know. Um, but there's just no excuse for bad coffee. You know, um, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, and so you're talking about an average of a price of coffee for, or the average price of a coffee being twenty four. Uh, personally, I thought it was more in Cape Town. I thought they were sitting on the twenty five thirty rand mark. Yeah, but apparently not. Nope. Uh, I think uh, Origin and uh, Jared's are some of the specialty pricey coffees. We lost to get something from uh, our favorite friends in Red. Oh, <laughs> very long time ago. And you're gonna pay a single shot's gonna be up there. It's gonna be quite pricey. Yeah. There's, there's one or two. Um, you realize you could be talking about any number of companies. I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Let's go. just say Obrigado. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's it's always fascinating uh, that we, we we still get clients to say no, no, we're gonna we're gonna charge twenty rand for a cup of coffee. I'm like. You do realize people define quality based on price. Yeah. So therefore, if it's more expensive, it must be better. Yeah. So you, by saying you're 20 rand, you're saying you're, you're cheaper than or worse than yeah. inadvertently than the person down the street that you try to compete with. So from my, I, I understand the, that kind of logic, yeah. but I would say that um, it kind of works. It kind of works the other way around. So. There are places where, like, you can go into a fast food restaurant and you can pay 24 rand for a cup of coffee. I yeah. know this because I've done this. Yes, okay. we've, we've all been in that very dark place. Yes, okay. <laughs> where, and I know that they're overcharging for their coffee. Correct. So, but that doesn't mean that, that doesn't, like, that doesn't mean that I can charge or we can charge 30, 35, 40 rand for a cup of coffee. Even though I know the quality is better, I don't 
think it works. Like, you can't reference yourself to the lowest common denominator. No, I, I, I disagree to an extent because okay. we, we, we look beyond just the raw cup costs. Now we start to look into barista customers. Yeah. You know, what kind of salary do you actually want to pay your baristas? How often do you want to replace your espresso machine? How often do you, you change your filters? You know, uh, you need new crockery. You get better coffees in. Oh my gosh, a new cup of excellence comes in and we say, right, you know what, guys? Let's break the bank a little bit. We're going to blow our margins a little bit, but we're going to give our customers something more special. So I, I think just looking at it as the raw coffee cost, I disagree. Uh, I think we've evolved as such that we need to start looking after Bruce as well, in particular. Um, I keep on coming back to him because he is such a big inspiration. William Davies, two, three years ago, we had a price increase. And somebody said, well, the cost of coffee hasn't gone up. He says, no, but the cost of labor has. And what I want to pay my staff has. And I want to have my doors open in a year's time. So if you're not happy with that, I can happily point you to five or six other cafes that will serve you a decent cup of coffee. But I want to give you the best experience for the best price. Um, it's still one of the most amazing cups of coffee I've ever had. I had a disappointing cup in December, but I want. I did point it out, it was quickly corrected, but I had a pour over from Five Elephants, a Kenyan, uh, I think I had the last two batches supplied, there's no only way I can describe it, like blackcurrant wine gums and just like that cherry fizz, it was just, oh. So whiny, pretty, Yeah, you know, just everything I look for in a coffee. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's, it's beyond that. Um, so what do you think that we should be charging? So, so somebody who you know gets in good green, who yep. pays their staff well, who has some of the best equipment in yep. the country, what do yep. you think they should be serving for a cup of coffee? And yep. do you think that they will close their doors because people won't come in and pay us? I think if uh, the Green Mermaid point, pointed anything else out to us, um, and companies like Nespresso, you can pretty much charge whatever you want based on great marketing. So let's take that aside. Um, I think based on great, great coffee, great coffee experiences between 24 and 28 rand, fourth I want, uh, or even a Cortado. Uh, four over between 26 and 30 rand, uh, the Great Espresso, at least 20 rand. Um, How much are you paying for a beer? Well, 45 to 50 rand. And why is it not, why, so this is, this is a single drink yes. that you're buying yeah. that has the same amount of passion and expertise for Mo- interest. Most of the time, yeah. Most of the time. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> on both <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> okay. and, and, and on that point, I do feel that cafes and establishments that sell themselves as something they're not should totally be called out. I, it's just, I don't know if we, we mature enough yet to kind of start doing that yet. But um, I know in the UK, the guys get caught out often. Saying, saying that they're using Cup of Excellence coffees and they're not. There's a big thing at the moment in the US and the UK with um, kind of the coffee. Oh, wow. Yeah, there's a, there's a huge thing where guys are selling coffees as, you know, like, oh, this is a Brazil. Brazil, Serato, whatever it may be. And it turns out to be like a Vietnamese Robusta. Not as extreme, but it is a big thing that's happening at the moment. Cost-wise? That's crazy, though. So so that's 
So that's blatant. That's that's lying. Yes. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So, so what what is what is counterfeiting? Okay. What is fine. <laughs> so there are there. I know very few companies in this country who yeah. would go that far. No, and he sure. would say that. Who would say they so, speciality coffee buyers when they buy a semi-four pre-grading cup? Well, okay. So this. <laughs> Who okay, does so that? This, so, this is where, so this is my question. So, yeah. like, how do you call out those companies? Do they say that they buy some speciality companies? And they, they don't, yeah. And they don't. Um, okay, so that aside, that seems to be a specific a kettle of fish. Yeah. But, um, but the people who say that they are just consistently great and they're consistently good and... You know, they're not they're not actually saying anything that is a blatant lie. Yes. How do you call these people out and say you, you cannot charge yeah. twenty rand for coffee because you're putting shit in it, basically? Yeah. Like yeah. how do you how do you do that? I don't know. I if I knew the answer I'd probably do it by now. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, it's I don't know. There's uh there's one or two guys the was um, they were seen as the copy guys in Cape Town. Yes. Okay? Yeah. I've always maintained, and I've always stuck to it, that not once on any of their brochures, not that they do brochures, any of their advertising on their websites or on the way the guys speak, do they speak about speciality coffee or anything like that? They just say, guys, we do good coffee and we enjoy it. Good coffee is a relative term for most of us. Good coffee for you and I is 84 plus, um, even a couple 78s. Um, it's, it's public perception. There was a video that was done in News 24 just the other day with the launch of Starbucks. And a lady said on there, um, was asked, what do you think about the pricing? And 27 to 34 rands, and she said, well, it's, I don't mind paying extra for good coffee. Um, you know, I had to, I, I had to stop myself from drawing my phone. Um, <laughs> okay. It's, it's not a case of, um, it's public perception. Public perception is that a brand like that generates good coffee. You, you're going to only end up looking bad by saying, no, but they don't do good coffee. Yeah. Yeah. You so, you look like a little kid. You look like a punch. Yeah, yeah. You look like a punch. Yeah. You know, so we get this whole thing the whole time, like, no, no, but you're, you're a coffee snob. So I disagree with that too, 100%. If somebody says, I only I only want to drink craft beer because I enjoy it, does that make them a, a, a beer, beer snob? Or uh, somebody says, is it? So if somebody says, um, I want to drink some wine, and I bring them a, a box wine, so no, I don't want that one, that's my life. Oh, so they're, they're wine stuff. I disagree. They know what they like. Yeah. And there, there's a difference. I don't think we should be ashamed of it. We should say, uh, you know, we, we, we enjoy it. So, coming back to the original question. Yes. How, how do you call them out? Maybe you should ask someone like James. <laughs> <laughs> do it better than the person next to you, I guess. I think the only way you can call someone out is to do it better. Um... And it just make your coffee experience the best you can. Yeah. And there are so many companies out there that can help you with that. There's literally no reason anymore. Yeah. Uh, but I do think that our pricing is a little bit low. Uh, if we take a 10 to 1 kind of experience with London, and that's not 100% fair, 
But I'm gonna pay five pounds for a pint of beer. I pay fifty rand for a pint of beer here. So there's that kind of and there you level of equity, yeah. Exactly. So there you're gonna pay anywhere from two pounds seventy to three pounds twenty for a coffee from depending if it's a, an espresso from Proof Rock or a cappuccino from Costas. Okay. That's the kind of ballpark we're sitting at. Okay. Um, you know, I just spent the last day running around Joburg, uh, yes. you know, asking, you know, asking guys on, on, online, coming back to what I was saying, like, um, social media is great to find new places uh, or different places. Yeah. And, um, yeah, every single one was consistently 24 rand for flat white. Okay. There was a lot of variance on what they thought of flat white was, yeah. uh, which is quite upsetting. Um, but I guess, yeah, kind of like, well, what's happening at the moment? I need to learn when I'm out of Cape Town to not ask for flat whites. <laughs> so, what do you ask for? What would you ask for? I would have to ask for a cappuccino. Okay. Double shot cappuccino. Generally. Uh, okay. Yeah. So what you're saying is consistently in Cape Town you're getting a flat white which is a double shot in a 200, 250 mil cup? 240 mil cup. 240 mil yeah. cup. Okay. And that's what you're looking for in terms of flat white? Yes, yes. and no. The South okay. African flat white. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had this discussion with someone the other day. Um, uh, he was like, uh, you know, I want to hear what everyone's different. You know, what people think the difference is between a cappuccino and a flat white. Yeah, started out the thing of uh, let's hear the lies. And I was like, eh, coming up on the wrong foot, mate. Like, um, South Africa has skewed a lot of definitions of certain drinks and how they're poured. Um, and a lot of us get called out for it, but without people understanding that the the market's just not ready for a proper cappuccino or a proper flat white. Um, and now we're asking people to pay more and we want to give them less uh, in terms of volume because that's what seems to be the gauge in South Africa. I saw a post on someone uh, Facebook today, someone said, Oh, just what I need 500 ml cappuccino. <laughs> Wow, how do you even drink that? Like, I, just, and please tell me that's about at least four shots. Exactly, that's exactly what I wanted to know. So yeah, that was you know that's the kind of stuff we we dealing with. I always have to pinch myself and remind myself that we we're only twelve years old as an industry, a speciality. So you know, can kind of forgive a few people. Um, yeah, look, I've been coming back to what you were asking earlier. How do you find great coffee in a city that you you just visit? Ask. You know, um, I've, been, I've been super fortunate to, to travel, uh, to work in different countries, different cities. Um, find, you know, don't walk around with headphones on. That's, that's something I learned in a big way. Uh, I remember walking through Prague with listening to music and put myself no, stuff in. You, know, you take your headphones out and you just get the vibe for the city. Um, yeah, you always kind of trust the instincts. You're like, oh, down there looks kind of fun. You know, if, unless there's like some really large, bald gentleman who looks like <laughs> Mark Skinny alive. Um, I remember we were walking through this place in, uh, in London and uh, we found this little cobble street and it looked like something out of what I would imagine uh, Diagon Alley on, in Harry Potter, Potter would look like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, all the windows are kind of skewed and this and that. And yeah. we found this pizza place that I, I kid you not, 
did a pizza that was about 50 centimeters wide. And it was one of the most amazing experiences. The staff were funky, they had great beer. Um, they didn't have coffee, thankfully. Um, <laughs> but yeah, because of that, I found one or two other coffee shops. Because I asked the waiter, and I asked the barman, you know, I always believe in kind of giving back. Uh, when I worked at Deluxe at Church Street, we get a lot of foreigners to come in, and I'd give them a list of places to go see and do in the city. Yeah. I feel like that karma kind of comes back to me when I go overseas. But yeah, um, discover the city through your mouth, really. Your mouth and your stomach. Yeah. 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 So, um, my next question is, uh, you've mentioned that basically every place that you'll go, you'll visit, you'll drink a, an espresso and a flat white. Yes. Why those choices? Why not an Americano? Why not a pizza coffee? Um, personally, I don't enjoy Americanos. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's <laughs> never been my, my vibe. I always find them extremely either bitter or they, they tend to get made more poorly than straight espresso. Okay. Uh, if that makes sense. Um, it then gives, also gives a sense for the base in which I'm drinking and then what it would taste like in, say, a South African context. Um, if I really enjoy that, I'll sometimes order a filter coffee out. There will be times where I go in and I'll have a pour over or if I see a coffee that I think, holy crap, that's going to be delicious. Yes, we'll have that and that. And they got my girlfriend doesn't drink coffee. Yeah, uh, yeah I know. Yeah. She tests out the hot chocolates. <laughs> well, somebody has to eat it. I wish she didn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, they um, they would come and say espresso. I was like, yep, that was all for me. Uh, kind of looking a little bit weird. Um, and. Uh, Inevitably, I'll have like some form of coffee paraphernalia on me, so like another sort of jacket or Argent t shirts on Argent t shirts or something like that, and it starts that conversation. Okay. Um, so, do they figure it out? I mean, do they figure out that actually they've got some media? Some of them like not, not as many people as I thought. Um, it's amazing how many persons are actually so unobserved. Okay. Uh, the great coffee shops I've been to, the bristles have been switched off. Okay. They detect straight away that there's something else. Okay. The counterpoint to that is something that I learned from London, which I think is something that's frustrated us equally before, is um, the sense of we need to talk to our customers about everything about the coffee yeah. and they order it. Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of realized both working behind the counter more intensely at six in the morning and interacting with those kind of places. Sometimes people just want a goddamn cup of coffee and they don't give a crap about the altitude of the horizon. Yeah. But what I saw with great effects in the UK was you have an area for the baristas to engage with that passion. You're going to have a customer who's going to come in and say, well, tell me about this coffee. And when you're pumping out 800 cups of coffee, you don't really have time to talk. <laughs> so you say, look, you know, sir. Sometimes I can't remember your name. Correct. You know? So you say, listen, John here is going to help you out. He's going to tell you everything about it. And may I suggest X? Yeah. And you sit down and you spend the next half an hour just diving into this guy's brain and going down the rabbit hole okay. and seeing his version of the coffee world. And I saw that with great effect at places like Brew Lab in Edinburgh. Um, so that's actually good coffee in Edinburgh. That's it is. It was going to be one of I went to a South African store in Edinburgh. Oh, okay. 
Netsu Gorbos and Cook Sisters. <laughs> and and Alice and Cat Coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Sinesa Hydra sitting on a table, three group with two Mazarobas. You go like, yeah. I'm drinking I'm, coffee I'm here. I'm drinking coffee here. Yeah. Not in Melbourne. Really? Because if you don't have that, you're not it. Uh, so we walked in, Lovejoy and I walked into our first place out of coffee in Melbourne. And as soon as we heard the milk steaming, we went, oh God, we've made a mistake. <laughs> oh, what have we done? <laughs> It was so hot. It was so sour. It was like I don't know. I remember got that two combina- those combination right, and bad. it was just terrible. And I remember throwing basically five dollars worth of coffee in the bin. Oh, yeah. I've done that before. Yeah, but we went straight from there to Saint Ali uh, Century Lab. So made up. Yeah. 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 Um, so it, again, culturally, like in Australia, everyone's got all the toys. Yeah. Karma Pros, EKs, uh, Senesos, uh, uh, Arduino Black Eagles, uh, Souped of Linears, Souped of GB Parts, Slayers, which are, seem to be dying off quite a bit in Australia for obvious reasons. They're being slayed. Yeah, like uh, Seven Seeds was a, was an amazing experience. Um, if you ever go to Melbourne, you have to go there. Um, they have two different machines, one for in-house, one for takeaway. They used to have two slayers, one just to steam milk and one just to run shots, because together they could never handle it. <laughs> so now they've got two uh, two striders, which kind of do everything independently. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was that's always an indicator, I guess, for us. Um, Italy, the reverse. Italy, old time behind the counter. The general guy has been working there for 20, 30 years, and... Uh, he knows the ins and outs. And I always kind of describe it. I've had a few clients say, you know, I want one of those old machines because this delicious coffee I had at the train station in Italy was just phenomenal. And that's the kind of machine they had. I said, you know, I had a friend who had a VW Beetle. This thing was so old. But he knew how many times to hit the accelerator, pump the clutch, hit the accelerator, turn the key, how many quarters of an inch to get it to fire first time. It's the same thing when you've been using a scrappy piece of machinery for the last 30 years and you get delicious coffee out of it. You don't want to be doing that now. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to be starting that 30 year journey. Correct, from day one. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, um, other, other identifiers uh, I agree with you is you know, rock on a menu. What's on, what's on, a, what's on a good menu? I mean, like, what are you looking for? Yes! <laughs> That's Simplicity. exactly what I was I don't thinking. want to see 50 different variations. Yeah. You know, I don't uh, want to see six. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe unless once in a while. But at least they alcohol flavor. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I 100% agree. Um, 
simplicity is key. Like I saw that a lot in the UK. Small, medium, large. With milk or dark. That's it. So not even cappuccino, latte, no, no descriptors whatsoever. In an international environment, it's a death trap. Uh, so training I did in Mauritius, we'd have a lot of times when people ask for something that is named used to three or four different names. Uh, I had a, had a, one of the waiters come up to me who said, um, whilst I was working at work, uh, so when I need some help, this lady, I don't know what she wants. I was like, okay, cool, talk me through it. She's like, she asked for a latte. So I brought a latte, as you and I both know. She says, no, I want a latte. So she comes again now with the tall glass, because we kind of got them rid of the, the layer glass thing. She says, no, she wants a latte. So my first question to her was, where's she from? She said, what do you mean? I said, what's her accent? No, it sounds Italian. It's like, she wants milk. <laughs> Bought her milk. She doesn't want coffee. coffee. She just wanted some milk for her cereal. And, and this is the biggest issue you have. You know, so like an international hotel, you train for that. Yeah. And you kind of try and cover all the bases. I watched a video the other day about baristas in Australia. You know, what's the difference between a flat wrap and a latte? And, and it killed me. They said they're the same and this and that. I was just like, oh, okay. Well, you know, our training has always told us and the research we've done is a latte is a big bowl with a little bit of coffee and you dunk a croissant in it. Um, but you know, apparently that's not lovely. Yeah, some delicioso, delicioso. So yeah, there was you know, everywhere you go, there's again that whole different cultural thing. Uh, I'm assuming the Australians work for latte macchiato, as we know latte. Okay. Yeah. So. Okay. And then you asked what? Uh, where was I? We were in uh, Dubai International on the way to Vienna. And I thought, okay, let me ask for macchiato uh, because I can see this pretty dark coffee. Uh, macchiato is probably going to be the safest bet. You know, we're stuck here in Dubai for another eight hours. I'm just stuck in a plane for nine hours, folded up like a big napkin down the, in the chair. Like a little Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, the, the barista straight away says, uh, espresso or latte? I was like, um... Um, oh, those are my only options. No, no, no like espr- latte macchiato or espresso macchiato. I was like, espresso macchiato, <laughs> I guess. And that was the short part. Okay. I remember after that, I got asked by clients, uh, can I have a latte macchiato? And I thought myself, mate, macchiato is like the small, second smallest drink we do, and the latte is the biggest one. Yeah, it's just a naming thing. This is what people call the same thing elsewhere. Yeah. So yeah, it's um, so in London. Yeah, small, medium, large, and then like Alto, Alto yeah. Brew. Mm-hmm. You choose Alto Brew, and we charge you the same. Okay. Um, I, I like that. I like that simplicity. Um, queues have never scared me. Uh, I remember we went to Monmouth at Borough Market. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, Mama holds a special place in Joel. Um, and uh, what a cool experience, what a cool vibe, you know. And something I think Africans need to learn, cue for great coffee. If it's good coffee, you wait a while. Yeah. You know, I was talking to someone yesterday about it, like, I don't know what you guys are getting, but um, when I do training, the average for a single shot cappuccino for four is about two and a half minutes. Give or take. If you're just doing four straight cappuccinos, 
Okay. But two people might Are you making are you making four four drinks? Yeah. Oh, okay. For one person to make four, you say two and a half minutes. Yeah. That's pretty impressive actually. A split double yeah. and uh, one jug of milk. Four. Three. Okay. Oh. I don't know. What's what's your experience in that? Um so my experience on that is a, is that you would actually get a very inconsistent you get a you get very different drinks. Um but maybe, but maybe that's just me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, no, it's, I mean, travel and coffee has been some of the best, uh, best experiences. Uh, and kind of why I was really excited I didn't go to London before I started in coffee. And more so before I met uh, Pete Slade, who's a cocktail consultant. Um, and he told me about cocktails. I mean, like, Three years ago, you know, talked to this African about a cocktail. He's like, "Listen, man, I don't, I don't drink pink drinks. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's whiskey, it's beer, and uh, tequila. Yeah, and the art of cocktail making, yeah, makes sense. Mixology makes sense for us. I mean, the word barista, farmer. I mean, that's our throwback. Yeah. Um, you know, going through this whole signature drink development for for the world, and a lot of times people ask like, "Well, it doesn't seem like a cocktail." It's like isn't that natural? Isn't a signature drink not exactly that? I mean, what is the definition of a cocktail? Yeah. I train people to think of a cappuccino like a cocktail. Yeah. It's probably the best way I can get consistency. Like, a cappuccino is a set amount of ingredients put together in a certain volume bars and cup and creates a certain experience. Yeah. Just because we define cocktails as an alcohol-based beverage doesn't mean it's right. Yeah. Um, so the cocktail scene in London, oh man, I've been to. There's a there's a little known bar called uh, the Mayor of Scaredy Cat Town. So you go to this restaurant called the Breakfast Club. Uh, it's in just off London Street. Uh, sorry, Liverpool Street, uh, or Liverpool Street Station near Shoreditch. And um, you go into the breakfast club and you say, I would like to speak to the mayor of Skater Cat Town. <laughs> and if of he's available. It's like a secret handshake. Correct. If he's available, um, you can go right in and see him or her, whatever way you want to think of it. Um, and uh, otherwise, you sit upstairs at the thing, and there's this big fridge sitting in the wall, against the wall. And all of a sudden, people start walking through the snake bridge. <laughs> and he walked through the snake bridge, and he come downstairs in this awesome tiny little bar. It seats like 20 people. Yeah. One of the most insane Bloody Marys I've ever had in my life. They sprayed Lafoig, which is a very peaty whiskey, over it. Wow. And it was just unbelievable. I experienced like coffee. Um, I got to uh, go to a restaurant called Bubble Dog. Uh, it only serves hot dogs and champagne. Literally, like lunchtime, you know, seven pounds for a hot dog, and eight pounds for a glass of champagne, and it just it's packed the whole day. Yeah. London's that kind of city. So, so this is this is my next question. Yeah. So uh, the places that you've spoken about. So I don't know what Melbourne's like, but definitely London, um, uh, even Rome. Um, these places are you walk around them. Yes. Like, you're not getting into your car. No. So Cape Town, Cape Town has a little bit of that. In a big way, yeah. Um, well, it's not that big. Like, let's it is. <laughs> okay, let's just put that out there for all the Cape Townians as well. Cape Town is the biggest small city 
Okay, small town in the world. Okay, everyone thinks it's massive. I agree, but there is a crap load packed into a very small space. But in comparison to London, I mean, you can go like you can just keep walking in London, and you'll just find one spot after the other after yeah. the other. Yeah. You know, um, whereas Joburg, for example. We're a destination. Like you actually yeah. have to get in the car. You have to Catch drive. You, down, you have to know where you're going. <laughs> you have to get there. You have to yeah. find parking. You have to. So how do you how do you deal with something like that? I mean, I know yesterday. So all the pictures you posted on, on uh, Instagram were kind of in the we're, we're within like almost a five k radius yeah. of each other. So yes, you're doing a cafe call, but like. Did you know where you were going before you started? None, none whatsoever. Google Maps, man. Uh, well, I use when I drive, I use Waze. But yeah, Google Maps is phenomenal. If I can get anyone a tip when they uh, when they go overseas, if you can't get a hold of a, a SIM card to use for local data, um, Apple Maps and Google Maps actually have what they call offline mode. So you log into Wi-Fi and you zoom in on the areas and you scroll all the way around the areas you want to be in. It saves all that data. It will still give you directions when you're offline. Okay. Um, That's so good yeah, thank you. No worries. Um, so what I've, the formula I kind of go with is main roads. Okay. So you make, find the main road. Everyone knows. Okay. Uh, you go to Cape Town. You go to Long Street. Um, uh, London. You got uh, you have Piccadilly Circus. Um, you find all those main ones and you walk two to four hundred meters away. And you will find where the locals hang out. Yeah. You will find where the prices are a third what they should be of the local tourist trap places. Yeah. You'll find the more delicious pizzas. You'll find the more delicious beers. I remember in Rome, we, we would find like a this amazing road uh, right by the Pope's old castle. And they wanted to charge something like 12 to 14 euro for a pizza. Yeah. We walked literally 200 meters away, find another strip. And... Five, five to six euro for an amazing pizza. Five, uh, three to four euro for a beer. That's Cape Town prices. That's what you're paying today. Um, there's that kind of set formula. Um, okay. London, you can walk a lot more without, I guess, being stabbed. <laughs> um, unless you hang out in Mother Name a little bit more. Oh, apparently, yeah. that happens in Cape Town too. Oh, well, yeah. Only if you get pushed over by taxi drivers <laughs> on your motor feet. Um, yeah, look, um, I, I think you find like a point of destination. Don't be scared of tackies, man. Running shoes, they are your best friends. And for someone like myself who's uh, far chunkier than the, the average human, uh, ski pants, they, they, are, they are all good at. Uh, just no moon bags, no fanny packs. <laughs> yeah. It's not a good look for no one. Don't be that guy. No. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Not, not a good look. <laughs> um, yeah, so... And you start from one place and you go to another. And you just you ask people to stop at. Okay. Even some of the dingiest dog bars that you've been into have been amazing. <laughs> like, some of the coolest guys you get to talk to. Do you remember Mr. Pickwick's on Longstreet? Yes. <laughs> what yes. a vibe. I like, know. Like, the best flipping milkshakes. I know, right? Pictures. I know. I know. I think Carl, Carl Fraser was really sick after we ate that dinner. <laughs> you know what you said? Like, we did though. That is a rookie move. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it, we, we went there after one nationals in 2012. Myself, him, Craig, I think you were there as well. No, we went to 
Oh, you didn't hang out with us then? Aww. I was, you guys were the cool kids, you know? Yeah, no, but you're a judge. We don't always hang out with judges. <laughs> You've always been a cool kid, but come on. Uh, it's, um, yeah, that was, that was a special place. Um, lefties. Lefties is literally like 400 meters away from a main road. Yeah. Some of chicken fried waffles. Yeah. I'm, I'm fried chicken waffles. I'm like, amazing. With but you've upstairs to the ramen Yes. <laughs> the bao, bao hao, the pork bao is amazing. Oh, it's crazy. I've even made it at home. Really? Like, I was that inspired. Yeah. Okay. Like, I cooked pork for like two days. Okay. It was delicious. Delicious. And Melbourne's the same. Melbourne is... Cape Town on steroids. Okay. We went to a place, uh, <laughs> Lovejoy and I walked into this bar called uh, Naked for Satan. <laughs> Best name ever. Okay. Um, literally, and you're like, okay, a little uneasy. Yeah. And um, it's kind of out of the city, this and that. Again, another place that the guys recommended. Um, we went in, and on the shelf, there was just these jars and jars of flavored vodka and then on almost every table surface was a giant platter with um, a tapas with a toothpick in it and I was like what's up with the toothpick is that just holding everything together yeah. um, and I ended up uh, we asked him and said no you just help yourself you keep the toothpick and then when you finish you give us the toothpick and then you pay <laughs> I was like this this is definitely work games out once <laughs> But anyway, so we start asking around, like, you go to the bathroom and there's, like, uh, naked men and women all over the walls and this and that, and, and then there's these two, two, two giants of, a, of humans standing in front of this elevator, you're like, yeah, funny enough, yeah, yeah, I think they're married, yeah, being Australian, all. So you say, you know, what's this? Like, no, that's up to his bar. Get in the elevator, go six stories up. And out on this this bar that overlooks the whole of Melbourne, and they got these giants what look like geezers, and it turns out they at the time were installing beer cakes into there, and it would be their own homebrewed beer that they did below the bar, the fifth level up there, and all these different flavored vodkas, and we just got to challenge people. Um, ate the most expensive steak of my life. I think it was a 300 gram rump for $35. <laughs> and was it worth it? It was okay. <laughs> I was really disappointed. Okay. I had a better car. Okay. Um, yeah, so Melbourne, London, Bangkok, uh, oh, even Mauritius. There's some really gems, you know, but you just gotta ask. Don't be scared to ask. You know, I love, uh, I always, you know, people ask me, like, What's what's good advice for traveling? Like you know, Lonely Planets and stuff like that are really good. They they do some really good reviews, and they'll get you into the good general direction of where to go and how to get there. But ask the locals, talk to them, talk to your local barman. People forget barman is like not even just a guy that serves beer at a good bar. Yeah. Not just a guy that serves beer, but they're 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 a comedian, they are a psychologist, they are your therapist type thing, you know. And they'll know the ins and outs of what's about to happen and what sort of stuff. Yeah, we've had we've had some I've had some of the best experiences based on non planned events. So we plan to go to a bar and we say what's cool. Um, 
we went to this place in uh, London called Meat Mission. They had these amazing burgers, uh, the, the chili fries. I can't, I can't talk them up enough. They are literally phenomenal. Worth $35. Yeah, I think they were like £7 or something like that. Um, and I said, listen, there's a bar around the corner. You won't be able to, there's no signage. But you go down these flights of stairs, I promise you. You walk in there, and it turns out, like, the top three barmen in the UK just go there and hang out to make cocktails. Yeah. And, um, if you watch, do you watch Game of Thrones? Yeah, sort the, of. The, the big blonde, dark woman. So my uh, the woman we had that night looked like this giant Norwegian goddess with these <laughs> tattoos and this like half shaved head and some of the most delicious cocktails I've ever had okay. I've ever had in my life. Okay. Um, so yeah, I think the biggest advice I would say to people who want to do a coffee trip is don't just define yourself to coffee because let's be honest, there's only so much coffee you can drink without going completely mental and urinating large uh, kidney stones um, make it a whole food extravaganza make it a cocktail extravaganza eat street food uh, and find some things that entice so what you're saying is that there's, there's an overlap so if you're going to find if you're going to find good craft beer you're going to find Great. at least a, a, an arrow in the direction of good coffee yes. or an arrow in the direction of good food or yeah. whatever it is yeah. okay. definitely Huge overlap. Okay. I think, I mean, it, it makes sense though, doesn't it? You know, craft yeah. beer or mixologists, they see their world totally different to those around them. Same way the coffee professionals do. Yeah. So this is my next question. You you talk about you talk about barmen um, as pretty social social guys who um, they have something to say in almost any kind of situation. situation. Yeah. yeah. And. So if you ask them, they're going to be able to answer the question of, actually, I've done coffee here, it's amazing, I've done coffee there. I don't know that that is true for most roasters. Are you talking about a South African sense or general? So this is this is my question. Yeah. I think specifically in the South African sense. Yeah. Yeah. But like when you go when you go to London, are you speaking to the baristas? Are yeah. you speaking to you've mentioned Willem Davies and Jeremy Chandler and that kind of stuff? I mean, those guys are. I wouldn't consider them kind of regular everyday baristas myself. So neither. <laughs> okay. You know, um, and this is the last thing. Like. Um, Willem has always been super forthcoming for me, and it's always it's, most of the conversations I have with him is on Facebook or Twitter, um, and because he, he's literally either in Prague or Moscow or something like that, you know, he can never really, really kind of pin the guy down. Um, but his start, and I think his, I think that's why I, uh, I value someone like his, his opinion because his start emulates everything he believes in. And the type of cultures they've created in their space uh, attracts the kind of personnel that, that work. Okay. Um, so they'll give me directions and you'll say, cool, you know, speak to our head barista here. And then you talk to them and you talk to the other baristas and the conversation starts like that. Um, so what you're saying is that these roasters are actually drinking coffee in other places. Yes. They know what it, they know what the experience is going to be like, and they're happy to recommend it to go there. Yeah. Okay. Do you think that happens a lot in South Africa? I mean, is that? I like to think it does. Okay. Depending on where you go. Yeah. Um, I don't think I've ever, you know, I've had roasters at Origin who I've heard, you know, recommend other roasteries. Yeah. All the time. Um, no, I, um, 
So it's not about recommending like competitors or anything yeah. like that, but it's more specifically about the actual barista's experience of the coffee culture in their city. Yeah. Um, I mean, in South Africa, do you think they experience a lot of what's, what else is going on in the city? Or? For the majority, no. Yeah. The majority of the baristas are kind of saddens me is that they, they drink their coffee and nothing else. Uh, or they have the kind of blinker approach, which I think a lot of roasteries do as well. Uh, well, we do the best, so why should we try anything else? Um, which I think is a sad approach because the only way you get better is to know what everyone else is doing. Yeah. Make sure you're always ahead of the curve or at least on it. Yeah. Um, I do think that for the most part, a lot of the coffee shops and stuff that I frequent, the guys are, are pretty much tapped in. And I think the great baristas, guys who have been working in the same place for three, four years, they are regulars at other cafes on their days off. I know it sounds weird, but most of us professionals don't drink coffee on our days off. <laughs> like, do you? No. no. It's because you drink so much Monday to Friday, Monday to Saturday. You know, come come Saturday, Sunday, you're like, I'm, 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 I'm done. I'm good. I'm, <laughs> I'm good. Happy. Yeah. But you go out and you, you know, you, you go to the biscuit mall. You can't not help yourself but go to espresso lab. Say hi to the guys, get a coffee, move on. Um, Lovejoy is a great example. I would find him every now and then, just you know, randomly going to be in there, espresso lab or Rosetta, and just drinking coffee. And I think more more owners should definitely promote that. Yeah. Just kind of say, look, guys, you know, this is this what else is going on. I think South Africa is still too young. Develop nations, develop. Coffee nations, I should say, uh, have that culture in a big way. I think uh, they interact with a lot more uh, cafes. Funny enough, in the UK, I was really surprised that a lot of roasteries don't interact. In the UK? Yeah. Um, How did you figure that out? Well, I spoke to, I was talking to Roland from Hasby. Yes. And we are talking about the uh, South African Roasters Guild. He's like, I wish we could have that. Like, we, we don't have anything like that here. I was like, what? I, I was shocked. Um, which, by the way, anyone that wants to go to the UK, like, has been are fantastic like that. They'll, they'll welcome you with open arms. They really are. They really are phenomenal. Um, I, had, I had nothing but great things to say about the guys. Actually, I have nothing but great things to say about most of the coffee companies I went to in London. Around the world, really. Uh, some of them more cagey than others, but more, in uh, in their entirety, they tend to be very open, and honest, and, uh, and willing to almost give information okay. you know, without getting too personal, I guess. Okay. Um, do you think that's do you think that's a characteristic of like? Um, uh, like that kind of foodie type um, environment, I guess. Or yeah, yeah. I mean, so you're looking for these great taste experiences. You don't really. I mean, I don't know that anyone actually thinks that they have the best taste experience, like complete package. Yeah. Like, I don't know that that's that that's a realistic. Anyone who does think that yeah. is probably a little bit nuts. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think even. So they kind of open this. Yeah. Of, I think um, even a guy like Hessen Blumenthal would, would say exactly the same thing. Yeah. Uh, I was fortunate enough to eat at his uh, his pub, uh, the Heinz Head. Oh yeah. It was awesome. Really, really cool. Great experience. Not what I expected from Heston. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, it was pub food, but it wasn't. Eh? Like, I had uh, 
Duck Confit and uh, Beatrice Risotto. Yeah, so, um, and uh, a Scotch Quail's egg, which was sublime. Um, but uh, yeah, we try to get. Uh, so, concrete with the first person. Yeah, with sophistication, I should say. Okay, there we go. Sorry. Well, that, that being said, we went to another uh, Churchill's pub. They serve authentic Thai food in the back. <laughs> Proper Thai woman running around, like screaming and shouting, normal Thai style, and some of the best Thai green curry I've tasted this side of Bangkok. It was phenomenal. It was really weird. Like, Google the place. It's it's super crazy. Um, but yeah, you, you're right. I don't think I think anybody that um, that says they have the complete package is an idiot. I think the problem in South Africa and maybe a little bit in the world, companies don't reinvent themselves enough. Um, coffee is ever changing. Um, I get bored. I'm borderline ADHD, whatever you want to call it. Um, the fact that there's so many different avenues for me to dive into just with coffee has kept me in it. Uh, I'm talking equipment, barista, roasting, cafe setups, running the business, all that sort of stuff. There's so much, and the second you think you know it all, please just leave. You know, think, just go. You know, and I think companies aren't reinventing themselves enough. Um, how many people are shocked that when I tell them proof rock don't roast their own coffee? They use other roasters. Yeah. They are the perfect example of an independent cafe doing it right. Yes, they've always got square miles, but they rotate between a number of roasters. Um, so in that sense, they're constantly reinventing themselves. Yes, they've got a slightly more developed market, but I don't see why I couldn't work here. I don't see why a place like Cape Town or Joburg could do that. I don't know. Do you feel otherwise? Um, yeah. Maybe I think maybe I think Joburg is a <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, maybe I think Joburg is, is too much of a destination spot. I mean, if you if you, you get in your car right. and you are going to drive for thirty minutes to go and yeah. find coffee, you there has to be kind of a base level expectation. Yes. So, um, and I don't think I don't think people get the benefits of the kind of ever changing roasteries or coffee tastes. If, if it is actually changing on a weekly basis and you're going there once a month. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. You're, you're not... No, no, for sure. I'm not, I'm not saying changing a weekly. I yeah. think that's a little foolhardy. Um, you maintain it something for two months. Um, yeah, two or three months and then you change it. Um, a lot of these places do the same. It's not a case of, well, this week. They say this week's copy of the day. But they maintain that for four, four weeks. Yeah. So there are all ways around it. Um, I think it would work more in Cape Town, to be honest. Um, yeah, you are right. Although on the corner of every street, you're going to find a different puppy anyway. So are you? Aren't you? No. <laughs> Not really. There's like. Oh, that's very sad. There's, there's, there's quite a stronghold by a few few brands in Cape Town currently. Um, a couple of internationals are trying to make a big push again. Okay. Uh, but you know things like free equipment or whatnot, uh, which is always a bad idea. Yeah. Because nothing's free in this world. No. Yeah. When you're paying 650 rand a kilo for imported stuff that costs them about 30 rand a kilo, it's not free. <laughs> yeah, get with the program, buddy. Yeah, please. You know, let's just do some math. You're not doing yourself. <laughs> yeah. 
no, you're not. You're not thinking the business side of justice. You're not thinking the consumer justice. Um, I was talking to Dennis Harden from State Farm today, and you know, we were talking about tangible and uh, untangible costs. You know, like a tangible cost is an expense line. It's like a cell phone bill, toilet paper, cleaning equipment. Yeah. Untangible stuff is lost customers due to bad service. Yeah. You know, bad consistency. Yeah. You know, I always say, like, the job of a barista is not to sell one cup of coffee. The job of a barista is to sell that second, third cup. Yeah. The job of the owner or the designer is to bring people into that cafe or into that restaurant or into that, uh, that space. Your job as barista is to sell that third or fourth cup and yeah. to create that repeat business. So, you know, you can, you can blame everything you want, but if that's not fair. And the only way you do that is a combination of a lot of key things. Great coffee, great equipment, great training, all that sort of stuff. And they all go hand in hand. So what do you think Group Rock has got right? So you're saying that they're not a roaster, so and they're happy to say we're not we're not roasters. So what actually brings people in for that third, fourth, fifth cup of cup of coffee? I mean, consistency. Okay. Consistency of what of experience. You know you're always gonna get a good cup of coffee. And so, and so that's not just the product itself, but also the customer service. Customer interaction, you know, I, um, when I went there a year and a half ago, um, they open at 7 a.m. during the week, or 5, uh, sorry, 8 a.m. on the weekends. The staff are there an hour before. Yeah. They cut five copies against all the copy they're using. They TDS their shots once they've calibrated it in, and they maintain their, their run it and make sure it's within the specification that Jeremy and, and Willem have agreed upon. Yes, there is an attraction there because it's an ex world barista champion, a guy who's very upfront in terms of social media and coffee industry. But I think something I've learned is that for most Maybe, maybe just in South Africa, but I saw it a bit in the UK. You say, oh, yeah, Gordon Davies owns this place. People go, who? Group Rock's not in, it's, it's not in like a major area. Like You've got to travel quite a bit to find it. But I think the throwback from it is there's a uh, department of coffee works open just around the corner. They're the ones with the, the Black Forest cake cappuccino. Uh, okay. Yeah. Serve the coffee, coffee in uh, takeaway cups. Yeah. Oh, that's a, <laughs> um, had it again, delicious. The dark horse blend, fantastic. Um, there's quite a few other shops that have popped up in the area, and during the week they actually have like a food stall type thing all the way up and down the road. Um, consistency and quality. The training is intense. I think you see they they, they turn over quite a bit of staff. Um, not because I don't think the guys can hack it. I just think that they expect a lot, and rightfully so, okay. uh, with those kinds of names behind it. I think Willem always said uh, a, uh, a poet, a baker, and a, a coffee maker all came together. Uh, um, <laughs> it, yeah, it was just, I've always had a great experience there. Yeah, the guys, they really care, and they care about the customer experience. I've gone in there without anyone knowing who I was on my second trip, and I still got a great experience. Yeah. You know, so... It's, it's those little attentions to detail. I think to that is, we see it all the time with Baristas Inc. and other social media forums. I'm looking for a barista. For the love of God, please stop hiring baristas. Hire personality. You can teach anyone to make a cup of coffee. You can't teach anyone to make a great cup of coffee or to be a nice person or to say, hello, how are you doing? Actually, care about it. 
Kanisa, one of my favorite lines from yeah. um, I remember I was working with him at a, at a uh, stand in uh, a market. And a customer came, he said, hey, morning. And the lady said, two cappuccinos. And he went, no. And she kind of frightened <laughs> looked at him. Yeah. He said, I said, good morning. Oh, morning. How are you? I'm <laughs> oh, fine. What can I get you? Yeah. And you know what? I respect that. That's yeah. 100%. Because I'm not, we, 95% of us, I'd like to think, aren't just there to make your, that brown stuff go watery. We're actually there to give you an experience. Beat those 30 seconds that I interact with you, or if you want to dive down the rabbit hole a little bit more, but we're there to give you an experience. Yeah. I think every great place, their food, their cocktails, their coffee, have the same narrative. Um, so, my next question is, you work Um, <laughs> well, <I'm not> so, <laughs> so, so my question is, how does how does you being a coffee professional and being recognised as a coffee professional and pretty famous at least in the South African market, <laughs> Relative, how does that yeah. change your how does that change your experience when you go to a place? And does that like what? Like, what, yeah. what do I do? Yeah. Um, you know what? And. Much to people's dismay, because I think people have a perception of who I am. Uh, no, of course not. <laughs> no, not at all. You know, this, this super arrogant this and that. Um, I actually fly under the radar. I try, well, at least I try to. Do you wear a mask? Do you, like, no. So I come do you cut yourself off with the I, knees? Like, I, what do you do? As an example, yesterday, uh, I went to State Park. Yeah. Um, heard a lot about it on social media, Instagram, all yeah. that. Then that's what kind of drove the uh, want to go see uh, around Cape Town. Yeah, man made coffee. Oh, yes. Lovers Andy. He's awesome. Love his love his blog, love his posts, yeah. all that sort of stuff. Um, stoked to see us out with over 115,000 followers. I know how amazing. It's just coffee. It's yeah. freaking amazing. Um, and that's where I found uh, Milk Bar. And, you know, State Farm has always kind of come up a few times. So, yeah. women kind of sat down without really looking at the bar. Uh, and the waiter, and generally waiters don't recognize me. Um, ordered a cortado, and so I just drink it. And, uh, you know, as the AeroPress guy and me kicks in, noticed they didn't have any AeroPresses at the time. <laughs> so, went up to the retail space, started talking to the manager, yeah. uh, Tammy, who... Um, then saw the, the, the coffee mag there and saw me and like, Is it? I was like, oh, yeah, well. Can I autograph that for you? Well, literally. Uh, for the next 10 minutes, it was a case of taking photos with every single staff member. I signed a siphon. I ended up signing my own business card for him. I, I signed two copies of the, the coffee mag. Um, and then it was a case of like, you, you know. Sort of well, you know, I think because of the magazine and stuff. Thanks, Coffee Mag. Appreciate it. Um, it's yeah, it has kind of elevated the status a little bit. Um, but even like the barista's like, you want to show me some stuff? And I ended up spending twenty minutes behind the machine with the barista. Like, 
calibrating in the grinder, adjusting, you know, showing one or two little lateral things, and, you know, how to get it working, helping out with the cleanliness and station. Just um, literally don't mind doing that. I love it. I love people who give a shit about what we do. So, believe it or not, it makes me kind of uncomfortable. I actually don't like the spotlight. Um, but where I can give back, I do. And I'm more than happy to. Um, in terms of the coffee experience, it's like you go see your customers all the time, right? And you ask them to make a cappuccino because you're doing quality control. Nine times out of ten, it tastes good, right? Because they know it's you. So I think from that, I developed a way of kind of getting in without people noticing who it was and ordering. So I could see the true value of what it was I was being given. Um, it's, yeah, the magazines made things a little more difficult, um, but in a good way. You know, it, it started conversations, and it's allowed me to hopefully affect some people's decisions in coffee and how they move forward with it. Um, Coffee's an amazing product, and I love it. Um, pretty sure it's the industry I'll be stuck in with until, yeah, my, my last, yeah, well, I'm pretty freaking great already. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's been, it's been crazy. It has been a crazy nine years. Um, it's, um, I always try and not let it overshadow what the guys are doing. You know, uh, that's why I always like to try and, I want them to show me what it is that excites them by coffee. The guys talk a good game, but a cup of coffee never lies. Latte art's not going to hide that bad extraction if you know what to look for. Yeah. You know, so it's, uh, it's those little things that make a difference. In London, obviously, like no one knows who you are. You know, no one really cares. Um, you get to chatting to them, and then they're like, oh, wow, yeah, I thought about Cape Town. Great things. Yeah. Have people actually heard about Cape Town? Yeah, even green coffee supplies. I mean, now, now we're getting more and more green coffee supplies who are looking for it. Equipment manufacturers are asking about us in a huge way. Uh, cafes, all that sort of stuff. Guys who are very interested in Cape Town. Okay. Uh, interested in in general. So it's, I mean, Ishan and Craig did a lot for us in the last two years in terms of uh, eight, uh, 18 and 15, respectively. Um, it's put us on the map. Yeah. It really has. Yeah. People are talking about us. Yeah. You know, we're not just that lowly country in the south. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Do you think they're like, you know, people and, are actually going to start answering emails? And, yeah, yeah. Really. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Twitters, yeah. Yeah, yeah. tweets. Yeah. Um, in terms of how coffee's affected my overall experience of things, um, I used to dislike wine. I used to dislike, like, loathe whiskey. Um, Brandy was just a no-no. I think the skills and techniques we use in coffee tasting, or at least for the very least, calibration of the palate, has opened my world to other things. And a big one. Now I love all those things. Like, give me the PTS whiskey you can, because that's what I want. And that's like, yeah, it's that's intense. That would be like... Uh, uh, an espresso lab espresso for a mug and bean drinker, you know, for the uninitiated. It's a delicious espresso, but if that's not what you're expecting or understand in the coffee, you're not going to enjoy it. Uh, I 
I've been my my palate's kind of opened up a lot more because of that, and I, I take solace in uh, in enjoying the little things like. Uh, there's two bars currently in Cape Town, uh, House of Machines and Outrage of Modesty. Basically the same companies. Uh, House of Machines arguably make one of the best old fashions in the city, if not the country. Uh, Devin Cross used to be one of the head barmen there. Um, was kind of my inspiration for my signature drink that won me nationals this year. Um, just as approach, it took about 10 15 minutes to make one cocktail, and all it is effectively is bourbon, bitters, and sugar, a bit of orange. But the way you put it all together makes such a huge difference. And I think that's the difference between something like I said earlier I can teach anyone to make a good cup of coffee, I can't teach someone to make great coffee. That's something you find within. Uh, I've been to bars in London where. Um, they come and talk to you about how they they spent a month coating the inside of a bottle with honey wax, uh, just because it added a different dimension, more money to the, the bourbon they're putting in. You know what I mean? So like, you don't mind paying twelve pounds for a cocktail like that. Um, so yeah, it, it really opened my world. Uh, I've started to appreciate more and more um, flavors, flavorful things, especially yeah. So, and, I mean, so for me, I'm, uh, so I'm not a heavy drinker at all. Um, I appreciate the fact that actually, you know, wine, wine, beer, whiskey, um, yeah. food, that kind of stuff, there are complexities there that I don't know nothing about. Yeah. Um, but half a glass of wine and I'm <laughs> legless. <laughs> okay. So... <laughs> Like I look forward to seeing that cut. <laughs> so alcohol for me really, really doesn't do it. Okay? Yeah. Um, but what you're talking about, are you talking about you're, you're now more interested in complex, more complex flavors and that kind of thing? Or are you talking about complexity or are you talking about something else? I'm talking about two things, uh, complexity and flavor, so journey and, uh, and flavor. You know, we always, we always talk about how, say, a coffee dances on your tongue. Yes. You know, like the coffee that lingers and comments later, like, I can still taste it. I can yeah. still experience it. I can still go, freaking hell, that was delicious. Yeah. Um, the same thing with cocktails. On the other hand, also complexity and how it's brought together to create something that seems relatively simple. There's a there's a barman, a Japanese guy, who carves an ice ball for half an hour with leather straps and the works just to get the most perfect spherical clear ice ball for your cocktail. I appreciate it. I can go, you know, and anybody that's hung out with me after a Bristol party knows I uh, put back a few beers. I think we put back, I put back, what, five drafts whilst we've been sitting here. Five. Give or take. Um, <laughs> Clearly I wasn't counting. Nah, um, I enjoy a good drink. But when it comes to those sort of things, it's not a case about quantity. It's about that that, that taste journey. Uh, to be able to look back and you know, kind of say, you know, there's a lot of care and attention and detail that went into that. Some of the prettiest food I've ever seen. It's not it's not substantial in any way. Like you're not going to live uh, off the plates of food I've eaten. Uh, but you look at it and the way the flavors move around your palate, you just can't deny it's beautiful. In that sort of sense. Um, you ever watch Ratatouille? The animated. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. So we 
teaches uh, is it Remy, his uh, like cousin, where he eats the berries and the cheese and he sees all the colours dancing in his yes. head. That's kind of how the world is for me now, because of coffee. Okay. So you start to build this colour image in your mind. It's kind of like an LSD trip all the time. <laughs> with food. And legal. Fantastic. <laughs> Not that I've ever done LSD. No. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it, it is, uh, there's an appreciation of both the art and, uh, and the skill behind it. Because, you know, coming back to something we were speaking, speaking about earlier, like, the key, for, you know, it's all very good for all of us to prop over new TDS readers and new pressure profiling espresso machines and grinders that heat up the coffee and this and that. But if that doesn't translate to a customer's experience, and for most of our customers, that maybe 60 seconds, yeah. it's all for naught. It's just all us with our own self-masturbation, kind of look at us, look at us, and not about what, it's, what this industry is actually about, yeah. about customer experience. So I'm all for sitting and copying a copy for 15 hours because I want to try and get the roast 100% right. Yeah. But I need it so that in 30 seconds, the customer drinks and goes, I understand now why you're a national champion. Yeah. Or I understand now why you are one of the best cafes in the country. Yeah. So it's, it's about that. Okay. Um, so let's just throw something else in completely. So um, tea. I find tea fascinating. Yes, so me too. not only just for the different kind of taste experiences and that kind of stuff, but, um, but also for the, the range of prices that you yes. can get in, in tea. Oh, yeah. Jeez. And there's a whole... Um, uh, so in Asia, it's it's unheard of here in South Africa or most of the rest of the world, but in Asia, people pay significant amounts. Like 50,000 rand for a kilo of tea. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And that's, and that's okay, so maybe that's a little bit, you know, Eight up there on the spread. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but commonly, people are paying significant amounts of money for very low grammage, well, low grammage Yes. Do you think? Do you think that we would ever get there in the coffee industry? Hundred percent. Uh, look at a website like Cape Coffee Beans. Yeah. Most of its sales are two fifty grand. Yeah. Yeah. Bags and variants of it. Yeah. Um. But the prices that they that he's charging. So I don't know. I personally, hmm. I think coffee is under undervalued. Yeah. Undervalued. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. Especially on a retail aspect. Yeah. So do you ever think we're going to get to the point where, on a on a regular basis, we're paying more than you? You asked me earlier why why fifty rand for a beer? Yeah. Because it's almost easier to understand that I can pay fifty rand for a beer than it does for a cup of coffee in a culture that's based around red coffee and Nescafe. Yeah. Why? Please explain to me why I'm paying three hundred rand for this geisha. Right? Yeah. And, and unless you understand it, you won't you won't enjoy it. Um, I don't know. I think there is a. There's always going to be a relative cap based on what you can pick up at a pick and pay uh, or Woolworths uh, compared to what you may find online. So, okay, so then to equate again to the tea scenario, yeah. you've got people regularly, it's not like you would find tea bags in a supermarket if you went to anywhere in England. Correct. You're going to find usually tea. The expectation is that you have a strainer or some way to make it at home. Yeah. And so therefore, It's, it's probably the most effective comparison because yeah. um, 
You also gotta look at it like five grams of tea can make quite a big pot of tea, depending on what kind of tea it is. You know what I mean? So you, your relative cost is, is quite low. Yeah. Um, and you put it in a liter of water, you take it out. Uh, although I think last I read the national steep, average steeping time in South Africa for tea is 37 seconds. <laughs> Anybody who knows anything about tea knows that yeah, that just doesn't cut it. That's like brushing water. It's kind of like making a martini where you like sweat the ice with the vermouth. <laughs> kind of the same thing. Um, I think we've got a culture where it's about, I don't know, but it's easier. It's, it's, it's fast food. It's, it's in and it's out. Um, and it kind of boggles my mind because I think the average waiting time today, uh, Starbucks, for instance, you want a road bank, because they're so busy, it's 35 to 45 minutes to get a cup of coffee. Yes, it's a whole experience and this and that. Great, whatever. Uh, Burger King, when they first opened up, people waiting two days for a hamburger. Um, so please don't tell me that you're spe- spending, spending five minutes uh, making a pot of filter coffee at home is a long time. I just don't buy into that. Uh, but you do have a culture that's heavily based on a sachet, a teaspoon, a hot water, a done. When I did some work with uh, Spa back in 2009, uh, Instant Coffee accounted for 98.2% of their total sales. However, by 2010, that had gone down to 94% of their sales. So, Rose and Grind had taken back 5% of their total sales of coffee through Spa. 5% is nothing. When you look at the kind of values, I mean, you guys do some work with Pick and Pay. You know what kind of volumes these guys are doing, you go, that's a shitload. That was in 2010. We're six years down there. Yeah. So, it's getting there. I think just the education in terms of, you know, why do you pay 80 rand, 85 rand instead of 60 rand for 250 grand? Or why you should rather buy beans before brown? Um, that's getting there. I think uh, a guy like Faden and uh, Cape Coffee Bee has proven that you can. You can create, you know, there are people who are looking for that. Um, I love the idea of like 100 gram sachets. Yeah. I, I don't know what it is. Like, yeah, 100 grams of like five air presses. Yeah. Yeah? And for me, that's just enough. I just want to taste the coffee. I right. don't want to actually take it home with me and marry it. Yeah. No, I actually just want to taste the coffee. Yeah. Is that because we need the kind of, uh, kind of people that go to a bar and we hardly ever order the same beer? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think there are more and more of us that are doing that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm hearing more and more customers talking the right language, I'll say with inverted commas, they maybe not knowing what they're talking about, like, uh, I like I like fruity coffee, I like a fruity dark roast, uh, yeah, kind of, kind of point, but I'm glad you're starting to use that language, Yeah. it's the same way the wine industry was 15 years ago, Yeah. you want red wine or white? Now, if I say to you, um, can I have a Merlot 2008 served at 22 degrees Celsius with the starter and the formaids that we have a want of X, Y, Z characteristics, yeah. and the waiter goes, mm, great choice, sir. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to a cafe and say, can I have my Merlot 50 degrees Celsius, really short distretto, double shot, and they go, why are you being so difficult? <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's um, 
We're gay. Okay. We're really gay. Oh, do you like the idea of the sachets? Yeah, I'm gonna need one. Have you got any plans, right? Uh, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe with Pedro. Let's see what we can do with Pedro. Pedro. No, no, very excited for him. Well, he's been great. He's been a good boy. <laughs> cool. Do you have anything else to say? No. And that was all, I'm sorry to say. Bye bye. See you next time.